to come back with it. <laughs> Bring it back. Don't gassy, don't gassy. Black people tell black history. Welcome to another episode of Black People Telling Black History yes. on Hood Rap to Head Rap. We have a extremely special guest with yes. us today who is going to essentially be giving us a little bit of a teach in. So it's a really special episode um, about. Um, all things black music, particularly techno and house, and really relocating those origins and giving us the whole rundown um, with Deborah. So, Deborah, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes. So, first and foremost, I want to say thank you all for having me, and I want to preface by saying because I don't want the old I don't want the old heads coming for me. I don't want the Chicago heads coming for me. I don't want the Detroit heads or the New York heads coming for me. Because <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all something, y'all don't understand. If y'all, if you even say one thing wrong, they're like, "Oh, you said that." That I don't need that smoke. We just got a retrograde, so I'm just gonna go okay. ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, All the so, heads is gonna be. It, it needs to be grateful for anything that you're able to share. And this no, is all, get involved, Jersey, Baltimore. Everybody get involved in the conversation. Everybody get involved in it because they're all interconnected. Um, so I, I've been. So my name's Deborah. Everybody calls me D or Debo. Um, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. I currently reside in Brooklyn, New York. I'm a club kid. I'm part of a collective known as Afro Mosaic Soul Dance Collective. So I do movement-based work um, around the preservation of Black social dance, um, house, whacking, voguing, pop and locking, hip hop, all that stuff. That's what our collective is involved. Um, so. I've been a club kid since the age of 16, um, started in Atlanta, and a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of Black, gay, and queer clubs, because um, yeah. that's where I started. I started in these spaces because of my mother. My mother was the one that introduced me to house music, um, and she's from New York, so, you know, she would listen to all the the club classics, but we, there's a difference. You have club classics and you have house music. There's two different okay. things. Um, I think a lot of people like get those confused because um, the club classics were the stuff that made the folks move. It could yeah. be new wave. It could be R&B. Hell, it could be a hip hop track. Hell, you can even play Anya in that bitch and people are like, oh my God, losing it, losing it. I've seen it happen. Trust me when I tell you. Um, but the the importance of these spaces is what cultivated my love for house music, but also cultivated my love for techno. Um, and meeting folks who are from the respective places of origin, Chicago and Detroit, Detroit for techno and then Chicago for house. I will always say this, I love my Chicago folks. I'm, there may be some Chicago folks that may be listening to this. I don't want y'all coming from my neck. Chicago, y'all did create it, okay? I just, I just wanna go ahead and say that. I just want to go ahead and say that because I don't want no smoke. But New York took it to a different level. Um, I, I tell people that all the time. You know, some people may get upset about it. I, I know I'm sorry, but I just got to keep it a buck. Um, but the the origins, I'm going to speak about techno first because I feel like for me, that's still something that I'm loving more and more. Like, I love house. I love house. Like, that is what I'm... I grew like up listening to, but 
techno is something I'm just like, oh my God, there's so much I need to understand and absorb and take in and the music. And, and I think people don't understand the origins. So Detroit techno came from, and like with any um, black art form, whether it's music, dance, it comes from, you know, things that have been placed upon us via society, right? So during that time, you had the race riots happening, the Detroit riots that were happening. Um, and this was in 67. So imagine, you know, you are trying to make sure that your family's good, everybody's good. And then you also have the automobile industry. The automobile industry started to dwindle at that time too. And then Motown leaving. Because mm -hmm. Motown, of course, was in Detroit, and then it moved to LA in '72. So imagine all these things being taken away from a city where it was birthed. You're gonna feel empty. You're yes. gonna feel like, yo, damn, like, what the hell is supposed to happen? I don't know, like, how how do we thrive as a people? And I think this is when techno came in. So in the '70s, there was a DJ by the name of Electrifying Mojo. He was a Detroit uh, radio DJ and he played everything, soul, funk, new wave, hip hop, uh, rock, electronic music, right? And um, during that time, there was also an interest in hearing synth pop, hearing stuff like craft work, um, experimenting with different sounds, right? And a lot of people don't know that's one of the birth, um, like one of the places where um, the sound started to thrive. Now, the Godfather, people will tell you, Juan Atkins. Yes. I was thankful enough to meet Juan Atkins during the Tribeca uh, Film Festival. Um, I would tell people there's a documentary called God Give Them Drum Machines. I loved it. Um, I met several of the folks who were involved in the documentary and they just talk about the importance of Juan Atkins and the Belleville Three. Um, people can definitely look up those individuals. Kevin Saunderson um, is also a part of that as well. Um, and they were based outside of Detroit. So it was Juan and it was Kevin Saunderson and I'll leave it at that. But um, those were the three that cultivated the sound, okay? Craftwork. Um, played a huge role in the um the development of the sound and as stated everybody's antidote is different i'm going to say that everybody's antidote is different everybody's narrative is different and i don't want nobody coming for my neck so um i'm going you know i've been researching and also you know like i said i i know a lot of folks who are involved in you know all the movements that deal with black music um, primarily electronic. So, you know, hearing their stories and what they've told me and how they all match up. So that's where I'm coming from. Now, one of the first records, um, Juan Atkins and Richard Davis, Alleys of Your Mind. And this came out in 81. And this is actually for many folks hailed as the first techno track. Um, now, the, the, the prototype that set Detroit techno apart from everything else is on the other side, which, you know, if you know anything about records, Ebony, B-side. Yeah. And it's called Cosmic Rain Dance. This is the prototype to Detroit techno. 
Okay. Um, I'm going to mention some other folks. Greb Broussard, who's also known as the Egyptian Lover, um, had another amazing album that shaped the sound of Detroit techno. I'm also going to talk about um, the Music Institute because this is a space. This was a space that Black folks created because also, like I said, this is in the 80s at this point. Um, and, you know, with everything with HIV, AIDS impacting Black queer folks specifically and us being ostracized from society, we didn't really have a lot of spaces to go to. So the Music Institute played everything. If you couldn't get to Detroit, if I mean, like, if you were in Detroit and you couldn't get the sound of house, like you wanted out of Chicago or New York, you go to the Music Institute. Um, but this also gave opportunity for young folks to play their sound. You know, hip hop was coming up at that time. And then ghetto tech. I love me some ghetto tech. Love me some ghetto tech. Yes, ghetto tech is my thing. Love me some ghetto tech. How do you distinguish ghetto tech from house and techno? So ghetto tech to me is like, I call it like, to me, it's like the booty, the booty music. It's like, you know, like in the South, you know, we had like Kilo, like Kilo and like Raheem the Dream. Mm -hmm. It's like that type of music, but with like an 808 beat. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was that was what the young folks were into. And yeah. then you have, you know, um Detroit Techno, they fused a lot of electro sounds, synths, things like that to create it, but you know, that soul of Detroit. Whereas house, um, I tell people house is disco's revenge. I always say that disco's revenge. Um, so disco in itself, you know, we as black folk created that too. It was the glitz, it was the glam, it was the vocals, it was it had all of these things, right? But then I don't know if you all remember when was that? Who was that guy? He was in, I believe he was in Chicago, it was a white guy. And he went into a stadium and burned all these disco records. It was like the death of disco. I can't remember the year. Oh my God, it's not even coming to me. It was in the 70s, I believe. I think it was like late 70s. Mm -hmm. When Chicago was cultivating its sound of house, Chicago had this space called the warehouse. Okay. And this was on the South Side. Mm -hmm. And the South Side of Chicago, as anybody know, predominantly, if not all black. So this was a queer space, by the way. And Frankie Knuckles, who's mm -hmm. originally from New York, got asked by, oh, what's his name? Richard. Oh my God, I can't remember the guy's name. It's coming to me. I think it's Richard. What's his name? Oh my gosh, it's it's escaping me right now. Um, Because Richard Long did the sound system for the garage. Um, but it was another gentleman who told Frankie to come to Chicago to play because he was based in New York. But it was him and Larry LeVan who, you know, was the who was the main DJ at the Paradise Garage, which I'll get to in a minute in New York. But Frankie mm -hmm. and Larry LeVan were actually friends. Yeah. And they were playing playing house, but it was their different sounds of house. So um, R&B and disco were mostly played at the warehouse. So how house music came about, and there's there's a whole, but like I said, there's a whole bunch of things about this. And it, Chicago heads, they will fight you to this day about this. Um, 
there would be places like, oh, well, where are you going to hear that music? Oh, you know, at the house or whatever. This is how they play the, the house music or whatever. It's, it's a house. And they would have signs and stuff up. And that's how the name caught on. Um, Robert Williams is his name. Robert Williams is the under direction who um, started the warehouse. Now, the space for the warehouse is mostly black gay men. Okay. And also at that time, they started raising the prices for people to get in because I think it was like less than like five bucks to get in at the time. And you would just hear everything. You would hear all of the good disco, R&B. Hell, sometimes you would hear like church songs. Spiritual. Like, these things that were playing played. And when the prices started going up, because you know also you got to think about accessibility. Like as black queer folk, we don't have a lot of spaces that are available to us. And also at the time, economically, we may not have had the opportunity to visit these spaces. And so Frankie left, Frankie, he left, Frankie Knuckles left in 82 and he opened the power plant. I mean, they called it the power plant and it was changed to the powerhouse. Now, the warehouse at that time ended up being renamed the Music Box, who was under a new DJ by the name of Ron Hardy. Um, and Ron Hardy, like I said, is still black queer community as well. And um, there were very important tracks that came out during that time. There's one called Ragtime by Ron Hardy. He edited it. And the got the king, Frankie Knuckles is considered the godfather of house. Now the king of house, they say is Farley Jackmaster Funk. Okay. And now there's also some discrepancies as well, because I hear this all the time from Chicago heads. Some Chicago heads said house started in Chicago in 80, like early 80s, some say mid 80s. But one of the first tracks that I heard that made me recognize the sound of Chicago house is Jack the Bass. And this track um, sealed the deal for for many folks, what Chicago um, house sounds like. I would say Chicago house versus New York house, in my opinion, um, it's a little bit more, there's percussion, it's, it's per like New York to me is more percussion. Kind of like soul house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that Chicago doesn't have it, but it's the sound of Chicago. So you also gotta think about what that means for folks there, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, also too, disco, 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 disco. I can't talk to so many Chicago folks and disco will always come up. The sound of disco is so prevalent in the sound of Chicago house. You can feel it. You can hear it. It's just so very black. But you hear it in the sound of Chicago house. New York, you do too. But like you can hear the prevalence of it. They have a big block party, the Silver Room block party, but they also have, they call it the old school a picnic and this always happens it's um it always happens july 4th weekend and it's just they don't play nothing past from what i've heard because i've had friends that went i have yet to go because every time i try to go it's always something coming up but they don't really play anything at one point they wouldn't play anything past like 95 96 like old school old school why is it, in your opinion, that New York has taken house music to another level? And can you trace when that began, when Chicago house started to spread um, to other, to spread eastward? 
So remember I said earlier about the relationship with Frankie and Larry, they were friends. Yes. So um, around mid, so the warehouse, there's like, the warehouse was in 77, right? Now, folks from the garage, there's two dates specifically. You have 1977, which they did the construction parties. The official opening of the uh, garage was 79. Now, also, mind you, Frankie was back and forth between New York and Chicago. Um, and so bringing those sounds to Chicago and then coming to New York and then, you know, testing these records, right? They would have these records, these sounds. Because you also have to realize, too, with a lot of the sound in New York, from what I've noticed, they blend records. So you could have, like, say, for instance, I Know You, I Live You by Shaka Khan. And then other you may have, like, a, uh, I'm, I'm going to give just an example, prime example, like a church song. They would, they would, they would blend that, but it wasn't in a way where it was disrespecting or disrespectful of the tracks. At that time, it was considered club tracks. It wasn't considered house. Remember, we're still thinking of club. We're not thinking of house music. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, in the um, in 1979, the Paradise Garage opened, and so this was modeled the the the. The feel of Paradise Garage was modeled after the loft, okay? It was members only. So they weren't letting anybody and everybody else up in that bitch. Like, you had to be a member. You couldn't just roll up in there. Like, if you knew somebody, they really, if you had a membership, right? And your friend yeah. wild out and they found out they would cut your card. They were not playing. It was and serious. They, it was serious. And also, too, you have to understand this place was also queer. Everybody went there, of course. Mm. Like the hip hop guys would go there, whatever. But like everybody knew the garage, like, oh, you know, that's that place. Because remember, we're we're still in the late seventies, early eighties. So these are still queer spaces. And so the level of gravity around security was related to that. There's going to be queer folks, trans folks there, trying to keep folks safe. Is that the idea? Yes, that was the idea. And so then, now this is on 84 King Street in New York, actually. Um, I believe it's bought out by somebody else now, but that's where the garage was. And it literally was a, it looked like a tunnel. So from 80 to 86 King Street. So it was a, it was a huge building. It was huge, huge. And people would party literally. I remember what I, I spoke with um, a good friend of mine. Um, who went to the garage. He's in his 60s now. 60s. Mm. And he used to tell me, he'd be like, yo, we would just get there. And the party wasn't hitting. These people nowadays, y'all doing 10 o'clock to 4. Honey, they just started at like 2, 3 in the morning. That's why I got a party. <laughs> and it would not end until the next day. So imagine hearing these sounds, you know, that Frankie and Larry, you know, blended together, you know, with their own distinct parties, but, you know, having them each share similar sounds, right? But the thing with the New York sound, 
it was like I said, a little bit more percussion. Um, uh, to me, I'm a, I love vocals. I love vocals. Um, a lot of the New York sound that we hear is a lot of vocals. Not to say Chicago doesn't have it. Yes. <laughs> but a lot more vocals. You can feel it. It's a spiritual experience. To me, like these spaces were sanctuaries. They were church for a lot of people. The intersections that these spaces, these black queer spaces were intersections. Like for a lot of people, they were church. They were salvation. People would go to eat. If you didn't have anywhere to go, they would have food. Yes. They would make sure people were nourished. They would make sure people, you could party there and you can party all night, whether you were high or not. You can go there and you can party. Now, Larry the Van sound was a, a fusion of disco and dance music, right? And this is what formulated the New York sound, okay? Now, at the time, you had Mel Sharon, Mel Sharon, and Mel Sharon um, ran West End Records. Um, he backed the club. He backed uh, Paradise Garage, but he also released a lot of albums and a lot of uh, of the sound of Paradise Garage through West End Records. West End Records is a major, major deal in New York City. Okay, yes. um, I don't know if you heard of "Don't Make Me Wait" by the Peach Boys. That's a classic garage track. You put that track on, everybody loses it. E two E four is another track that's a, one of my favorites. Um, Chaka Khan, I know you. I live you. Sylvester, over and over. Okay. Over and over, time and time again. Right? And Martha Wash was his backup singer. Martha Wash. We could have a whole podcast about Martha <laughs> Her contributions to... Um, Dance music and house as a whole. Yes. Music, I mean, but just R&B as well. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Sylvester, we can really get into it. Get um, into it. I'm Love it. Go to board, keep going. this um eddie kendrick's uh you know gwen guthrie fingers inc shout out to larry the uh shout out to larry heard i met larry heard through my mother actually there's a funny story about larry heard he met my mom and my mom was like oh my gosh he's such a handsome guy she met him in atlanta actually at this party we used to do in atlanta called deep saturdays they were so the intersection this is the thing i think i don't think people understand about housemith it's intersectional you go to all these spaces these cities form their own sound. And, it, and I'm gonna talk about a little bit about Atlanta and I'll jump back into it. Atlanta had a fusion of Chicago. You had Detroit, you had Milwaukee, you had Baltimore, you had Jersey, all of there because of the HBCUs, right? And so I went to this party called Deep Saturdays, MJQ Concourse, which is actually um, moving because of gentrification in Atlanta, which is a whole nother, it's really bad in Atlanta, by the way. Um, the gentrification is out of control. Um, but Kai Alsay, Comedic Just, DJ Kimmett, and Cullen Cole used to do this party. And they would bring DJs from Chicago, from Detroit, from New York, all these places and play in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So uh, First Choice, the, all these sounds framed the garage, okay? Yes. Um, and the garage, I believe, closed in the late 80s. And then that birth. Um, so Timmy Registerford, I don't know if you know about Timmy Registerford. Timmy Registerford used to do AR. And at that time, I do believe Timmy Registerford uh, played at the garage and he formed the shelter. Okay. Shelter parties are still going, by the way. Yes. New York based um, party. Like, it's, I mean, I think. 
one time I visited New York when I was maybe in 2000, had to be 11 or 12 or something of that nature. And I remember hearing about shelter parties then. So shelter, like, like I tell you, it's an experience. It's an experience. Yeah. Like yeah. I would get, I, I was on the tail end of it, but they would do pop-up parties. And I remember I went one night I went recently actually, they, they, they're bringing it back. They're doing a, actually an anniversary party March 10th. It's gonna be really dope. Um, I went at 4 a.m., 4 a.m., 4 a.m. I took a little disco nap, got up at 4 a.m., danced till about 10 in the morning, went to sleep, enjoyed my Sunday. A lot of people for us, these spaces are sanctuaries. I can cry on that dance floor. I can find joy. You know, I can any I may be going through like the worst experience, but if I hear one song, it that's it. But yeah. Um, but that's the difference between Chicago sound and New York sound. I hope that answered the question, but I, I feel like this New York sound fused a little bit more disco and dance music. And that's how go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just curious because with what with what you're saying and talking about these like club spaces that don't necessarily exist anymore, but are coming back. But I'm thinking mm. like contemporary spaces that are a spinning house and also techno. And they're yeah. and from, from uh, somebody who is an avid lover of house music. Like I didn't even know that Househead was a thing. Um, oh, and so my friends from New Jersey was like, you're a Househead. And I yeah. was like, oh, for real? And it just, it literally just takes over your soul. Because for me, it feels like gospel. Like, it feels it like, it feels like a, a rejoice. Yes. Like, I don't, right. I don't necessarily have to be connected to no lyric. I don't need to really sing. I just need to be in it. Like, I just need to be in the, the moment. And I feel mm -hmm. like where I felt that the most and I felt most free is a party like Soul Summit. Yes. Um, right. The Soul Summit space, I feel like it really gave me that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people as a club kid, I just want to be in a fucking corner yeah. by a speaker. I don't need to be, I don't need no, I don't drink. I don't do anything. If, if that's what you want to do, by all means, go for it. Yeah. But I'm here for the music. You know what I'm saying? And um, I went to, um, like I said, when I was at Shelter, I felt the most mm -hmm. at home. When I go back home to House in the Park, I've been to every single house in the park. Shout out to Ramon, Kai, Salah, and Kemet. Y'all need to check the that out. The most magical place ever. Yeah. <laughs> the most magical. Yeah. I I've been I've been to every single house yes. in the park. Every single one. Like yeah. since an inception. And it's grown so much that the city has gave mm -hmm. it its own proclamation. Wow. The city of Atlanta. So mm-hmm. So I think because house and techno have expanded so much, it has afforded other cities to create their own aesthetic of what house is, but still paying homage yes. to these spaces, right? And the beauty of it is, is that there's black people yeah. that are running it. And I, yeah, and I That's honestly, I don't even I know how, I mean, we'll talk about it, um, Deborah, and I'll ask you, you know, I think that has like Erica mentioned that it feels like church. It, there's a gospel element to it, um, to house music, much in the same way that there's an element to mm -hmm. um, Sylvester's uh, iteration of disco. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, right. Sylvester also having grown up in the church as 
child and going to the love center, Church. which is in uh, deep East Oakland, um, where I'm from. Um, it's yeah, where the, uh, oh, the wow. Hawkins singers, that was their church. So, and Frankie Knuckles kind of conceived yep. of gospel house music. Cause I think you correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Frankie Knuckles is kind of the first iteration of, um, using old Christian records, um, mixing. Oh yeah. But you know who also, but you know what city that really got that unlocked? Yes. Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. I, more so in the present. What did you say? Yeah, like I mean, like Baltimore. I whenever I think of Baltimore sound, I think of the church because mm. it's very interconnected. Um, some of my favorite DJs from there. You have Teddy Douglas. You have Charisma. Uh, you have DJ Spin, and they 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 still keep the preservation of the church and their music. And I be having a Holy Ghost sometimes. I be having the Holy Ghost. I do. And I didn't grow up Christian, but I still feel my ancestors through this music. Like to me, house music and techno are ancestral. Like I have manifestations on the dance floor. Like I've blacked out. Like people have literally had to pour water on my head because I've blacked out listening yes. to a song. I don't think, and, and black folks feel this music. So when we see somebody else, I'd be like, oh, they having a the Holy Ghost. They having a moment. Let them have their moment. I like people have literally come towards me. I remember one. I went to house in the park um, one year, and somebody was like, "Don't touch her! Don't touch her!" Because she's going like, because whatever energy was trying to get out, like whatever I, you know, whatever spirit was in me wanted to dance, and okay. I just lost it. I was crying. I was like doing foot like uh, floor work, all of that, um, but. I'm thankful for these club spaces because I've also nurtured relationships with people with other black folks that I may have not may have not even thought to nurture relationships with. I'm thankful for my collective. I'm a part of a collective known as Afro Mosaic Soul. And we we are like we are the we 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 do the work to preserve black social dance, primarily house, whacking, voguing. Um, we do hip hop, we do pop and we do locking ancestral work. I also do Orisa dance too, because I'm a practitioner of Isheshe Laba, which mm -hmm. is our Nigerian and Ifa. So, you know, they're all interconnected. All the music, the dance is all, all interconnected. And when I hear techno, part of me feels excited. It feels joy. You can feel the rawness in techno. Um, some of my favorite artists, if y'all ever want to check them out, um, my good friend Ash Lauren, who's like sure. fucking killing it right now. She's from Detroit and she's based in Atlanta. Kai Alsay, um, Alton Miller, DJ Minx. Um, it, it, the, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, for New York, if y'all ever want to check out stuff, um, there are these young cats I know, Brandon and Craig, known as Muscle Cars. And they're protégés of a good friend of mine, Ibae, um, you know, that introduced me to this person, Ibae, uh, Carlos Sanchez. A good friend of mine introduced me to Carlos Sanchez, who's transitioned. And Carlos Sanchez used to party at a lot of the spaces that I mentioned, uh, um, the, the garage and I believe um, shelter, I believe, and other spaces as well. So you meet these folks in the loft, like all these places that people have been at, you know what I mean? Like they've carried it on to the next generation, you know? 
And to hear, you know, these young folks play muscle cars. Um, I am the AM is a really dope techno DJ as well. Um, muscle cars plays house, but they also do club classics as well. So you hear all these things, um, Lovey, um, BWAC, Donis is another dope DJ. They just they did Poppy Juice, I think, like two months ago, but they're from New York, but their father, the link, is a garage. Mm-hmm. So you have all these young folks and these who are, are getting folks. the tutelage. Black. These are black. That's only only black. Yeah. Only black. You have to say that. You have to say that. You know, people look. You know, I have to. I look. Look, they look, people know, don't come to me with that house music is free. And everyone like, no. Do you understand why house music was created? It was created because black. Black queer folk couldn't go into y'all spaces. Any of y'all play what we play, y'all still wouldn't let us in this space. And that's why we created the fuck what we created. Like, quit playing in my face. Same with techno. Don't play in my face. Like, people are like, oh, we're going to kumbaya. There's no kumbaya over here. It's no kumbaya over here when it comes to house for me. Like, and I think we we're going to, you were going to mention it, Erica. Like, I, it infuriates me when people think of this house thing as like, some type of kumbaya thing it's not like people this was a lot of people's salvation from home you know you know maybe their parents ostracized them because you know they were trying to understand who they were as a person or maybe they had to run away from a partner who was an abusive relationship with them they were beating them they maybe ran to this club space to find salvation and one song changed their life which made them come every night that changed their whole life forever like for me that's what house music did for me like I was young, grew up in a conservative home. I didn't yeah. really have an outlet, but my mother was the one that introduced me to this music. And she said, go to MJQ. And I was like, mom, I can't go. She's like, you'll be fine. I went and I'll never forget it. It was Herb Martin Soul Drums and it was playing. I see folks taking off their clothes. They're hanging on the rafters. They wrote like, now, mind you, of course, you had your, your, your house dancers. That's a whole nother thing. So house dance, you know, that that came from, like, the sound of house music. There's certain, like, movement that you do that's that's a whole nother yes. conversation in itself. You had the club kids. You had the house heads. You had the old school heads. Everybody's losing their shit. Everybody's fucking losing their shit. And I was like, I got to be here every Saturday. Every fucking Saturday I was there. Every Saturday. From and 16 on. important what you're mentioning too is that for us black queer and trans folks, with the you know attempts for white people to try to steal techno and to steal not real to now to some degree, which you see all these you know big name white DJs trying to play house and trying to steal house music. It is really a black religious ecstatic cathartic experience for us in this is. music that we have created, hands down. And I, I even shout out. I think mm-hmm. one thing that. It's so interesting that a lot of these white techno and quote-unquote techno and quote-unquote house spaces have is that they are very cisgender mm-hmm. in nature as in Baltimore yeah. and, and during times where I don't even think people is knowing that this is going on. You got Miss Tony, you know, which is a big um, uh, house music, Baltimore house music musician um, from Baltimore um, oh, who was a black trans femme. Oh. Like, so you... you People don't even really put two and two together how formative Black trans people have been um, in house and techno music. And this is 
and now you have people learning more about Honey Dijon. Yeah. You know, right? I love Honey Dijon. Oh but Honey Dijon, way before the Beyonce album, has been doing this music, has been in the scene for decades. You know, has yeah. been. We talk about Willie. We talk about Willie Ninja too, because Willie Ninja yes. was very involved in our movement. Was black, you can, uh, queer person. You can see the, yeah, the scenes between house music and you know ballroom like commentating. Yeah, like, it is like a repetitive, yes. and it will speak to your spirit. Like you can you can feel the connections yeah. between house techno and commentating. Like yes. And the thing is, a lot of people don't realize a lot of these queer folk. You said they would go to these. Yeah, they would go to these clubs. But also connecting it to gospel too. They would go mm -hmm. to these, you know what I mean. In gospel music, people are repetitive with what they're saying, right? So the yeah. it's just I don't know. You can just see all the threads of black music connected. Yeah, that's like connotating is similar because you know you have a lot of you know ballroom really emerges out of New York and yes. lots of people are have parents who were Jamaican immigrants and yes. that is similar to what they call toasting yes. and toasting, which is what Jamaican um, MCs um, do, which the, the MC really came from yep. and hip hop itself came from um, a lot of ways, uh, Jamaican people. Yes. Um, so all of that is, it's just that interconnection yes. between all black movement and musical forms. Um, you, we haven't even begun to talk about the continent. Oh, bro. we 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 get. Oh my God, we got to do another a part two or something. But I want to speak about techno and how it went to Europe. So, um, Kevin Saunderson formed Inner City, and Inner City fused uh, Chicago sound and Detroit techno together because Paris Gray was a singer from Chicago. That was the link between Chicago and Detroit. Just so you know, and the song at the time blew up. So remember, I told you about the. Um, the Belleville Three. So they, the sound caught on in the UK because it was a journalist that came um, from the UK and heard about the sound Detroit came over and then the sound went to Europe and blew up. Berlin primarily. They have a whole institute in Berlin that's like just for Detroit techno. And like it's 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 so mind it's so mind boggling the importance of like how black music has transcended like outside of America. But as you were telling me, Erica, earlier about like why people don't think techno is black, and I think it has a lot to do with the instruments that are used, mm. my honest opinion. Because with black folks, a lot of instruments we use are percussions, we use drums, we use our feet, we use our vocals. And, you know, techno, you know, like I said, like when this sound was created, you know, we use synthesizers, things that were like created by man. And it's not to say that black folks didn't do that, right? But a lot of the stuff that brought in, you know, from a capitalistic perspective were from white people. So you have these synthesizers, you have all these other things, right? And so when it went to Europe, they kind of diluted the they sound. Do. Not kind of, they did that shit. They diluted the fuck out of it. Um, and so when I hear tech, because I used to think, oh, I don't listen to no techno. What the fuck? I don't listen to that shit. That shit trash. Then I met folks from Detroit and they put me onto the real techno. I was like, yeah, this is shit I heard. And I was like, this is techno. It's a yeah. whole different sound. Whole different sound. I'll add um, to but yeah. the, the thing about instrumentation really quickly is that 
a lot of people get it fucked up too is because they didn't listen to funk music. The people like exactly. Benny Morrell um, or Junie Morrison from the Ohio Play. They're revolutionizing synthesizers in ways that that are unseen even before that. Even some smaller um, artists, um, I think his name is George Smallwood. Like, um, there's a few different different artists and groups out of Ohio. We, um, which was just one person, um, he had a one album that was put out, re-released called "You Can Fly on My Aeroplane." Like all. Wow, yes, oh my God. Synth- even CB Wonder was using synth- Stevie Wonder, yes. We also got to give shout out to Salsa Soul, Philadelphia Soul. And it wasn't that Europeans were using, I mean, we can even go to Dorothy Ashby, Hip Heart. We can go to um, Alex using a number of instruments, mainly a big-ass heart. Like, so there's this sort of, white people did not just, weren't the progenitors of the ones starting to use these things. You know, Casio and um, different Asian companies creating synthesized sound. Like, I think white people get a lot of credit, you know, like you said, Deborah, from the way that they've been able to profit from and capitalize off of these, the creation even of these instruments, because they got the instruments, but they can't make the sounds without us. That part, that part. No song. It, it, it's just none. You can hear it in the music. You'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? I, I'm sorry. That, it boils it boils me, y'all. Y'all don't even understand. Like, I can't go to certain places. I'd be like, what the fuck are y'all playing? This ain't even a house. My friend's like, we're going to go to this house. And this is when I first came to New York. <laughs> and I was like, look, I need to hear this, this, and this. They're like, okay, we're going to go here. And I went, and I was like, what the you know, hell is so- this? I couldn't get into it. So we really have to wrap, unfortunately, Um, but we could sit here and talk the entire time. We haven't even gotten to, like um, Deborah mentioned to us over the phone, Trouble Anderson and UK Garage. And Oh, yes, UK Garage. Oh, my God. Rest in peace, Paul. Oh, my God. He passed away. Um, And he, he was the one that you know, really started to pay attention to the sound of, you know, the, the sound coming out of New York and Chicago and brought it to the UK. So that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> Our last question, just to wrap up, is how can we reclaim and take back take back our music? Yeah. Um, and this is just, I mean, we haven't even gotten to all the umbrella forms and all the other subsidiaries tech in house so we can't get into that now but how can we reclaim our even our dances our music so i'm gonna say this um it's a nuanced thing because i think it's also an intergenerational thing Mm -hmm. a lot of gatekeeping sometimes some people not gonna like what i have to say about that but you know i'm all about embracing the, the the younger generation other generations like after me because I knew I knew how I felt to be left out mm. you know and as and I love my I love black folks but a lot of times especially sometimes the younger folks sometimes don't want to listen do their own thing and then the older folks are like nah we ain't mm. we ain't fucking with them right no. um one person like I said my friend Ash Lauren she has this um she has this collective called underground and black and it really works on reclaiming black folks in techno yes. and house spaces um um i think also to owning a space yes. to do that and new york with the violence that they put upon with freaking landlords and stuff 
it, it just has to be a, co a collective effort at this point. Um, in regards to house dance, I'm gonna be OG with it. I just think, to me, house, I didn't, I never knew house dance as like a, a style. I just moved. I'm a club kid. We did club dance. I yeah. learned how to dance in the clubs. I didn't learn in a studio. I, I learned in the clubs. And I get it. Some people do studio. That's their thing. But you're never going to experience what house music is if you're in a classroom. You have to go and experience mm -hmm. it in the club. You have to experience it in the club. You, and it's not to say, take nothing from those who teach, right? Because I know a lot of friends who are really amazing house dancers all that vulgar, all that, because that's also considered club too, right? Whacking, yeah. club, you know what I'm saying? Streets and whatnot. I hate the term street dance, yeah. I think it's bullshit. Um, but all these styles were in the club and on the street. Why are we in studios? There need, the spaces need to be reclaimed in, yeah. in, these, in the club. And I think yeah. that's the disconnect. Um, but I feel like having our own space would be important, but also, um, really doing the research and talking to folks, having conversations with those who came before you. And if they're younger than you, like, yo, like I, I met, I met Brandon and Craig at public records, my friend Ash was playing in 2019 and mm -hmm. I was blown away, you know? And I was like, yo, these cats are dope. And they were like, they're 30 now. I met this when they were in their twenties. They've been DJing mm -hmm. since they were 14, 15. Right. And now they're blown up. They're blown up. Muscle cars is like they're just. I mean, I I tell people I love them. Um, they're amazing. Um, another amazing DJ. I love people to check out. It's a good friend of mine, Moon Babe. Um, and she's based here in New York, but she lived in Baltimore, and the intersection there of those sounds yes. is just amazing. Yes. So, I I I encourage people to really work on creating a collective, creating community. Um, another amazing event that people should check out is BKNY mm -hmm. by Tyrone Francis. Um, Tyrone Francis is from the UK, but he used to go to these spaces as well that I mentioned earlier in New York. So, um, and he's doing a party in March. So it's, March is gonna be a pop and pop. We'll awesome. uh, and we're gonna be having a baby. But, yeah. <laughs> and, and I would be, and, and I would be remiss not to mention um, DJ Byrell the Great. So yes. throwing by. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Byrell. Oh my God. Um, as well as um, the intersection between ballroom and house music and techno. So and a part two. A, a, a part two with Deborah. Deborah, to end, where can people find you and uh, support your work? Okay, so um, I am on IG. I go by Debo, D-E-E-E-E-B-O underscore X. Um, I'm also, like I said, part of Afro Mosaic Soul. You can look us up on IG as well. Um, the beautiful part about this work too, dealing with house and club and techno is that it's spiritual for me. That's how I got into the tradition was through the music. There's a DJ by the name of Oshun Lade, yeah. who's a good friend of mine, and they're Lukumi. But I am in Ishe but because of their sound, it was transcendent for me. It helped me on my spiritual journey. So a lot of the work that I do now are for Black, queer, trans, and gender nonconforming folk through divination and spiritual work. So this, this music transcends outside the club. It's helped me spiritually, and it, it's helped me build collective and help assist folks on their journey. 
So I tell people all the time, music is powerful. It is. It's yeah. very powerful. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Yeah, and the moniker that I go by is D Spark Tarot, D E E S P A R K T A R O T. That's the moniker that I use. Gotcha. But everybody knows me as D. But yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of the work that I do. Now I meet folks from the community at the club. It's always funny. I'll be there for like, and hey, you know, so y'all might find D somewhere out there on the while on floor. the dance floor. I know that we will. Um, thank you so much, Deborah. We will have information um, in the description of this episode where you can keep up with Deborah, get you a divination, um, get connected spiritually, get connected to a house or a movement um, community. And, you know, we are going to end it here, but this is not the end of this conversation. Let's just, let's keep this conversation going and preserving our Black music. Thank you so much for helping us do that here, um, Deborah. Oh, no, thank y'all so much. Like I said, uh, shout out to the OGs of this. I don't want no smoke. I just want to shout y'all out because I don't want no smoke. But, you know, I just try to tell them the best way that I could. Don't come to me. I love y'all. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. All right.